This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Hey, wasn't worship like outstanding this morning? No lie. During the, as soon as the first song was over, I checked my, my heart rate, 111. I mean, how cool is it? You get to come, fall in love with Jesus and worship, and lose weight at the same time. It's, it's great, right? So everybody ought to come, come to worship, right? Hey, I know, I know you probably already know this, but today at 4.30, the Pittsburgh Steelers are hosting the Detroit Lions in the last game of the preseason. And it's going to be a great game, I, I believe. But wherever you stand on the quarterback race, whatever you think of the coaching decisions, one thing is clear. More fans are turning up in Latrobe at, at training camp than any other year. All the reports indicate more people are flooding in to watch the Steelers' preseason practices than we've ever seen before. Now, as a kid, I remember going to training camp when nobody else was there. See, my, my dad was friends with one of the coaches. And his coach said, hey, Jim, bring your, bring your wife, bring your kids. Come on and, and, and have a day with us. And so we did. And we walked around like no one else was there. We could walk right where the, the players were, were practicing. Like we're walking along and, and this football comes bouncing, rolling up to our feet. And my dad picks up and throws it to Mel Blunt. That was pretty cool. I remember um, this one trainer came out of one of the buildings. And he was, he was going somewhere like on a date or something because he was dressed in white pants, white shirt. This is the 70s. Um, white shoes. I mean, he was Mr. Clean until Jack Lambert tackled him, <laughs> laid on his back in the middle of this biggest mud puddle they could find in Mean Joe Green, drugged them both through it, and they were all three laughing. It was hilarious. And I'm standing there along this path, and Lynn Swan comes walking by. He looks so small on TV. And he looks so big in real life. But the best moment, the best moment was when this happened. My mom and dad said, my sister and I, we're like eight and six. Like I was like six years old. And, and they said, hey, we're going over to watch the offense practice. Y'all can just wander around. They were not helicopter parents, obviously. Y'all just wander around wherever you want, you know, with the Steelers. And so we're walking, my sister and I, we're walking along this dilapidated snow fence. It was like half standing and half falling down. And I hear someone say, Hey, kids, come over here. I'm like, who said that? And I looked. It was one of my Steeler heroes, Rocky Blyer. And he's, he wasn't practicing because he was injured, but he's out at this outdoor, like, a weight bench working out. He said, hey, kids, come over here. And the moment he said that, any shred of common sense in my six-year-old brain vanished. <laughs> because I, I was like zombie apocalypse. I just, started, I just turned towards him and just started walking and there was a fence there and I just started trying to walk over this snow fence which I was not going to be able to do and he let me struggle for like 30 seconds before he said hey kid just go around (laughs) and I looked at my sister my older sister she's always smarter than me right I looked at my older sister and she's like so disgusted with me she's like 10 feet there's the end of the fence let's just walk around so I followed her we walked around we walked over to where Rocky Blyer was sitting and he was so nice and so kind he started talking to us and he's he signs our autograph books like for a six-year-old that was like one of the highlights of my life I love that so this morning I have the the pleasure of introducing you to not Rocky Blyer you're like leaning in like, I thought, I'm glad I came today. No, not Rocky Blyer, but to another, to another guy who, who met one of his childhood heroes. Well, he met one of his life heroes. And when he did, uh, he kind of was like me in a way. I think he kind of lost his common sense for a few moments. But when he got to where his hero was, 
he got way, way, way more than an autograph. He got something that changed his life forever. And, and I'm thinking that this is for you. I'm talking to you. This is for you. So I'm inviting you to lean in and listen. Is you hear this guy's story? Because I think it's going to connect with yours. So again, welcome in. Welcome to Grace Collective. If you are um, new with us, we're super glad you're here. If you've been with us for a while, we're super glad you're here. If you're joining us online, we are super glad you're here. Feel free to join in the chat. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and, and ask questions during the message. We have someone who's going to answer you, and we'd love to have that um, level of just relationship with you while you're online. Hey, this is the last, last message in our summer series called uh, Game Plan. And we, we hope that by now you've embraced the fact that Jesus really is the best game plan for your life. And not just because he brings the big W win at the end of life, you know, on that day, but because of every day. Like when you live your everyday life, Jesus is the best game plan for you to succeed in everyday life, for you to get through everyday life. All, all of your disappointments and distractions, all of your directions and decisions, Jesus is the one that gives you the best way to handle those through your everyday life. So I'm hoping that by now you, you've discovered that and embracing that. And like we've done every other week, today we're starting with a game. Now we've been through a lot of games, right? We've been through board games, uh, some VR games. We talked about Blood Rage. Thank you, Mark Lutz. Um, we, we've, we've been through a lot of different games. Today I'm taking you way back to a game called Shoots and ladders. How many of y'all remember shoots and ladders? Remember, it's a kid, right? It's a kid's game, kid's board game, and the object is pretty, pretty simple. Like, you want to move your game piece from the bottom of the board to the top of the board. You follow that, you know, winding pathway. Every time it's your turn, you move a certain number. But it's not as simple as just simply moving your piece the right number every time and getting to the top, because along the way, there are shoots and ladders. And ladders are great. You land on a space where it's a ladder and it shoots you up. Like you, you just get to skip all kinds of spaces. And if, if you're in last place, you can end up in first place really quickly with, with a ladder. Shoots are a different story. Shoots shoot you down, right? They, they take you backwards. They take you back towards the start. You could be in first place and end up in last place. In fact, they can put you so far behind that you might even th think, why even continue playing the game? Now, I know. I know that's a kid's game. But here's the reality. Our lives, like your life and my life, we play this game every day in our lives. Because your life and my life is full of shoots and ladders, ups and downs, wins and losses, promotions, rejections, make-ups and breakups. Every single day, you and I are learning to navigate or trying to navigate the highs and the lows of life. And the highs, those are easy, right? We take them, they're fun. Like, and, and the thing about these highs and lows, you don't plan them. You don't prepare for them. You don't even give them permission to come into your life. You just land on them. And sometimes, when you land on the, on the shoots, on the things that take you back, that can be devastating to you. Like, she broke my heart. I would never date again. Or, man, I tried so hard. I've been just trying to you know, shed a few pounds, get a little bit in shape, but then a holiday comes, right? Or a party happens, or someone keeps bringing me cookies and I can't resist them. I'm going to just stop trying. Or, he, he was unfaithful to me. I will never trust anybody ever again. Or, I really thought I was over that, but then that, that sight popped up and it took me right back in. When you hit the shoots, when those lows come unexpected and, and unwelcomed into your life, 
They can take you so far down that you may wonder if you ever, ever get back up. So, so here, here's the question. Here's the question. How do you keep moving forward when the world pushes you backward? How do you get up when the bottom drops out? Learning to navigate, especially the lows, is one of the most important lessons you'll ever learn in life. Now, when I want to learn something, I go to someone who's already learned it. I figure, why reinvent the wheel? Let me, let me find someone who's lived it, who's experienced it, who's, who's overcome it. And I can't think of a better person than the person I'm going to introduce you to this morning. His name is Peter. Peter, you may know him as Simon or Simon Peter. He was a contemporary of Jesus. In fact, he was one of Jesus' friends, one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of the 12 apostles, one of the inner three. He had a, a, like an inside lane with Jesus. And yet, with all that going for him, Peter's life, Reads like a shoots and ladders game board. Highs and lows. Wins and losses. I thought it'd be kind of interesting this morning to uh, tell you about some of his greatest and not greatest hits. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just remind you of those. And when I say one to you, I want you to say it's either a high or a low, right? So the first one, I'll kind of help you with. I'll let you cheat a little bit. So he, here's the first one. Peter went from fisherman to apostle. That's a, that's a high, right? Next one, Peter said something really wise, right? He said something really, really wise. And Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Peter. That's a high, right? In the very next breath, Peter's like, I, I said something really stupid. And, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Low, low like really low, 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 right? Um, uh, one day, Peter walks on water, like legit walks on top of water. That's a high, right? In the next like 30 seconds, he doubts and begins to sink. Low, right? You get the pattern of Peter's life. Uh, Peter had the blessing of, because he was in the inner three apostles, he got to watch what we in church world call the transfiguration, just a fancy name for Jesus, kind of showing us how he is God. He witnessed this on a mountaintop. And, and, and he also got to be privy to like, hey, Jesus raised this young girl who was dead, this 12-year-old girl who was dead, raised her back to life. And Peter saw that. I would say those are both what? Highs. And yet, after seeing those things, in one night, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. That's a low. In fact, it's that low, that last low, that I think was a shoot, a downward spiral for Peter. So far, so deep down, that I don't think he would have ever recovered from it. I want to tell you about that this morning. I want to go in and dive into that a little bit. Because, again, I think his story is a lot like your story. And maybe this morning, this is exactly what you need to hear. Now, if you don't know that part of, of Peter's story, it goes like this. On the last night of Jesus' life, he knew what was coming. He knew that a, that evening he was going to be arrested and then put on trial and throughout that night just battered and, and then crucified the next morning. And, and he looked at the 12 apostles, the, the closest friends he had around him. And he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. And, and I want you all to know that tonight, because of me, because of what's going to happen to me, all of you, are going to fall away from me. You're, you're, you're going to desert me. And Peter, in his usual reckless bravado, Peter's like, oh, Jesus. Like, these other people, like these other guys, probably so. But not me. Because I'm your guy. In fact, Jesus, if I have to follow you and go and die with you, I will die with you. I think Jesus is like, someday you will die for me. But not today. He said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny even knowing me three times. It happened. 
Just like Jesus said it would. Jesus was rested, and while the soldiers were taking Jesus, all of his, like all of his compatriots, they, they, they threw down and they just left. They, they ran off, deserted Jesus. But Peter circled around and circled back. And he watched the soldiers where they were leading Jesus. And they led Jesus and took him to the house of the high priest, the Jewish high priest. And there was a big open courtyard outside the house. And, and they took Jesus into that courtyard. And, and people were there, like soldiers were there, guards were there, uh, just general populace was there. Because we, like, what's going on um, this evening? And um, servants were there. And so Peter snuck in and was kind of milling around with them. And while he was milling around with them and you know, kind of watching Jesus from a distance, three different people came up to Peter and said, Hey, did, didn't I see you with that Jesus dude earlier? Weren't you hanging out? Aren't you one of his guys? And Peter's like, each time, he's like, nope, not me. That's my doppelganger. That, that's, that's someone else. You, might, you got me mistaken with somebody else. And three times he denied him. And the last time, as soon as he said it, the rooster crowed. And Jesus looked at Peter, and Peter looked at Jesus. And, and Peter felt so ashamed of himself, so guilty, so ashamed of what he had just done, that he, he fled out of the courtyard where nobody else was. And he just wept. And for two days, he carried this guilt. I mean, think about it. This is the last time he really got to interact with Jesus, even though it was just a look. The last time he remembered being with Jesus. And what did he do? He denied even knowing Jesus after everything he'd been through with Jesus. Peter was, was, was uh, tumbling, inspiring, low. Peter was so low for those two days. But then, on the third day, Jesus came back to life. And, and, he, and he showed himself, right, to, to the apostles, including Peter, and to lots and lots of other people. And you would think, you would think that, that Jesus walking into the room where the apostles were, were, were kind of gathered around a table, you know, through a locked door, Jesus just walks through and appears. You would think that that would be enough for Peter to say, oh my gosh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I, I did what I did. You, you told me I was going to do it. I still did it. I'm so glad. I'm relieved now that you're back. That wasn't the case. I don't, I don't think Peter, I don't think that lifted Peter up. I think Peter was still stuck until this happened. Let me read this to you. This is written by a man named John. Like Peter, John was an apostle, one of the 12 apostles. Like Peter, one of the inner three. So Peter and John, they had a lot of life together when they followed Jesus. But before they were apostles, they were friends. They, they lived in the same town. Their fishing boats right beside each other. They often fished in the same business, sometimes on the same team. They knew each other. So when John writes this, he's writing about his friend Peter. And here's something very interesting that I find about John. John, when John wrote his account of Jesus, his biography of Jesus, he said, hey, there's so much more. Oh my gosh, if I could write it all down, I would. But the, the world is not big enough to hold the volumes it would contain. When you think about that. So everything that John did include, he included on purpose, with a per on purpose. So what we're about to read, out of all the gazillion other things he didn't include, he said, this is important to include. In fact, he closes his gospel with this. Why is it important? I think God preserved it because you and I need to hear it. So this is what John writes that was so important. This is worth leaning in and listening to. Here's what John wrote. Afterward, Jesus appeared. So this is after the resurrection. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus or the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, 
The sons of Zebedee, that's John who's writing this and his brother James, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, some of you, some of you know what's coming, right? Some of you, 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 you know this event and you're like, come on, keep reading, Rich, because we know what's coming. This is great. But let me, let me just stay here for a minute. Because you know what's going to happen. But did you ever take, take time to think about where it happened? You ever take time to think about where it happened? The Sea of Galilee. Like, why? Why, why, would, why would this event happen around the Sea of Galilee? Here's why I question this. Because Jesus wasn't, you know, crucified up in Galilee. He was crucified way, way down in Jerusalem. He was resurrected way down in Jerusalem. He first showed himself to his, to his apostles in Jerusalem. He had all of his public appearances down in Jerusalem. Galilee is a three-day journey, walking. A th- imagine going on a three-day hike just to get somewhere. And, and before Jesus would ascend back to heaven, he had a date set. Like, this is all within a 40-day period of time. He had a date set. Hey, my last, last, last day with you before I go back to heaven, I'm meeting you right here in Jerusalem. He had, he had that time set with them. So why, when everything's happening down around here in Jerusalem, why would this event take place way up in Galilee? Let's find out. Because to me, it's just interesting where it happened. Why Galilee? Because that's where it all started. At least for Peter. Some of the other apostles too, but for sure for Peter. This is where Peter was from. This is, this is where Peter had his fishing business. This is where Peter first met Jesus, and Jesus said, follow me. This is where Peter dropped his nets, left his boat, left his home, left everything to follow Jesus. For Peter, this is going back to where everything went right. Jesus was taking him back to the beginning. But why? Let's keep reading. So Peter, John, and the others are out in the boat. They're fishing all night because they fished at night. They've caught nothing. Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Like, maybe it was hazy, maybe it's still kind of dark, it's early in the morning, they're 100 yards out, maybe they just didn't see well. Verse 5, he called out to them, friends, have you, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. That's pretty specific. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Does that, does that sound familiar to any of you? Yeah. It did to Peter. Because three years ago, it's exactly what happened. Three years ago, on the same lake with some of these same guys, maybe the same boat, maybe the same square footage of shore, is where Peter met Jesus. Three years ago, Peter needed some assurance. Like, anyway, Peter wasn't sure about Jesus when Jesus stepped into his boat the first time three years prior. And Peter's like, I, I'm not sure I believe you are who you say you are, who my brother tells me you are. I'm, I'm not sure I believe in what Peter needed. Something, it was something to believe in. Peter needed convinced that Jesus really was who he said he was. So that morning, three years prior, Jesus stepped into Peter's boat. He said, Peter, have you caught any fish? I'm not caught any fish. I'm too tired to try it again. He said, well, try it again. And it took a little bit of a convincing that Peter finally, reluctantly, threw his net down where Jesus told him to. And guess what he did? He caught so many fish that the boat began to sink. He and his brother Andrew called to James and John, sons of thunder, come over here with your boat. Help us get the net in. 
just like we just read. It was, it was the miraculous catch of fish. And in that moment, three years prior to what we're reading today, in that moment, on the same beach with the same guys, Peter decided to follow Jesus. And now Jesus did it again. The exact same thing. Let's get back in the boat with these guys. Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the guy writing this. He was very, very humble. He, 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 said, he said to Peter... Hey, it's the Lord. And as as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Remember, remember earlier, I told you that there was this guy who probably lost his common sense, like when I lost, like like I did when I first met my hero, Rocky Blyer. I don't know about y'all, but I usually take my clothes off when I go swimming, right? What's, What's Peter thinking? He puts his clothes back on before jumping in the water to swim to shore to meet Jesus. Something, something's got him so rattled, so excited, so, it's so compelling. I've just got to get to Jesus. I'm not thinking straight. I'm just throwing my cloak on, jumping in the water, going to swim to Jesus. What was so compelling about getting to where Jesus was that he, he loses his, his rational thought? Let, let's find out. Verse 8. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. Listen, 100 yards is far from shore when you're swimming with your clothes on, right? When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. What is it with Jesus and bread? Like, he doesn't count carbs, right? <laughs> Maybe that's why we all love bread so much. It's so historical, uh, literally, in, in, in Jesus' story and our story. Verse 10. So Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Question. Why did Peter climb back in the boat to get the fish? There were six other guys in the boat who could have handled getting a few fish. Why did Peter, soaking wet in, in, in all of his clothes, super heavy on him, climb back into the boat to get the fish when six other perfectly able men were already in the boat with the fish. I don't know why, but do you want to hear what I think? Yeah, sure. Okay, sure, I'll tell you. I think, I think, this is just me talking, Rich talking, I think is because Peter wanted so badly to please Jesus, whom he had denied. I think Peter was so weighed down with guilt and anxiety over this and shame that he would do anything to please Jesus. Like, Jesus, I know I wasn't faithful, but look, at least I'm useful. I think Peter needed this, this guilt taken out of him. This is, I think this is why Peter jumped off the boat without thinking, hey, there's Jesus. I've got to get this off my chest. I've got to get this out of my life. I've got to get this, 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 this guilt off of me. I, I need something that only Jesus can provide. I think that's what compelled Peter to get to Jesus and how beautifully significant that it happens on the shores of Lake Galilee where it happened before. Let's keep reading. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So now we're getting into it. Now we're going to start finding answers to to the questions about Peter and maybe 
answers to the questions you have as well. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. You went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now we're getting to it. What did Peter, what did Peter need more than anything else in that moment, on that beach, on that day before Jesus? I think Peter needed to be set free. I think Peter needed that whatever was in him, whatever was on him, the shame, this guilt, whatever had, had, had plunged him, spiraled him down, he needed to get rid of it, to get out of the low. He needed to know there was something more for him beyond the low he was stuck in. And so here's what Jesus did. Look how cold Jesus is. How many times did Peter deny Jesus on the night he was arrested? Three. Three. How many times did Jesus say, Peter, do you love me? Well, well, maybe, like maybe Jesus just wasn't sure. Maybe Jesus just really wanted to be sure that Peter really, really, really loved him. Maybe that's why he asked him three times. But what if it was more than that? What if, it, what if Jesus knew where Peter was? What if he knew what Peter needed? What if Jesus knew how Peter had been tormented by shame and guilt? What if, what if Jesus knew how much he had wept, how much doubt he carried. Like, Jesus, I failed you before. I'm, I'm just a failure. I'm going to fail you again. Why would you ever want me on your team, Jesus? What if Jesus knew all that about Peter? Because here's the reality. Jesus had really big plans for Peter. What if, what if Jesus knew exactly where Peter was? See, all of a sudden, going to Galilee makes sense. Jesus had big plans for Peter, but before Jesus could take Peter forward, he had to take Peter back. Not back to where it all went wrong, but back to where it all went right. Back to the point where Jesus said, follow me, and Peter first said, yes. Back to where it all started. Again, some of the same guys who were there the first time, performing the same miracle he performed the first time. Everything about this took Peter right back to where his journey with Jesus began. But this time, it wasn't to be convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. I think, I think that was settled the first time Jesus walked in, like, risen from the dead. You know, this is the third time he's, he's already showed himself. There, but that first time, I think that settled it. You know, when Jesus walks in a room and he, and he just died, like, three days earlier, and he's like, hey, I'm back. That, I'm with you, right? You go with that guy. I don't think Peter had any doubts about who Jesus was. Was. You know what Peter had doubt about? Who he was. Who he was. So this time was different. It's not to assure Peter that Jesus is who he says Jesus is. This time, Peter needed convinced that he is who Jesus said he is. Like, Peter, you are loved. Peter, you're forgiven. 
Peter, you're safe. Peter, you're mine. Peter, you're called. Peter, you're not a lost cause. Peter, I want you with me. That day, that day on the beach, that morning, was a holy moment. Here's what I know about holy moments. Holy moments have a way of turning into holy movements. Because you know, do you know the rest of Peter's story? From that moment on, Peter's like unstoppable. He was all in. He's unstoppable. That, that journey back down to Jerusalem to get the final instructions, here's what I want you to go to do. Peter's like, I'm ready. Lord, given, I'm, I'm ready, Lord. I am so ready to do whatever you call me to do. Like on, on, on Pentecost, when God put out his, his Holy Spirit on the apostles, it was Peter who stood up and dressed the, the massive mobs of people and told them about Jesus. Peter became the leader of the apostles. Peter became the voice that, that first welcomed in um, non-Jews, Gentiles, become followers of Jesus. A guy named Cornelius, Peter went into his home and he baptized him there. Peter turned the key that changed the world. And it all started on a beach along the shores of Galilee in the lowest place of Peter's life. Today, maybe you're in a low place. You didn't plan on it. You didn't prepare for it. You just landed on it. You didn't even give it permission. It just showed up. What if Jesus knows where you are? And what if, what if Jesus knows what you need? Listen, Jesus is waiting and Jesus is ready. Not to take you back to where it all went wrong, but take you back to where it first all went right. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, it's, it's never gone right between me and Jesus. I, I've never had that moment. Well, today you can. What if this was the morning? What if this was the day? What if this was your Galilee, late Galilee event where it started going right for the first time in your life? Let me show you three things. Three things that, that Peter learned that you and I can be sure of today. Number one, Jesus knows where you are because he loves you. Number two, Jesus will meet you where you are because he wants you. And number three, Jesus will move you from where you are because he has purpose for you. You are not, you are not, you are not a lost cause. Jesus has big plans for you. Again, if you're a follower of Jesus, let him take you back to where it all went right. If you're not a follower of Jesus, make this a day. Make this the day where it begins going right. But let me give you a warning. This comes with one of those big warning labels, right? Even when you do this, you're still going to have ups and downs. This doesn't make you, uh, you know, Superman or Superwoman. This doesn't make you uh, unable to be hurt by life or shot backwards in life again. But listen, every time you trust Jesus and move forward, you're building a stronger base, more, more to stand firm on and more to be thankful for as Jesus continues moving you forward. And this will help you move forward even when life pushes you backward. And that leads us into this week's weekly ask. Number one, name the low point you're in. Take time this week to name the low point you're in. Like maybe it's in your marriage or in a friendship or another relationship. Maybe something going on at work. Maybe something going on um, if you're back in college, your first week at school or your first week in school around here. Name the low point you're in. Number two, get with someone and talk about it. 
Get with someone and talk about it. Maybe, maybe your spouse, your best friend, someone on your team, someone in your life group. And number three, ask Jesus to meet you there and move you forward. Ask Jesus to meet you, to make that a Galilee, a Sea of Galilee moment and a place and to move you forward. That's your weekly ask. Now, if you're a parent and you've got kids downstairs, you've got one more weekly ask, right? This is the talking point. Every week we give the parents um, a talking point because your kids are coming home with this on a piece of paper. They want to talk to you all week long about this. And here's the talking point for, for you and your kids all week. God is our refuge, refuge and hiding place. God is your, our refuge and hiding place. So listen, listen, maybe you don't want to wait until tomorrow to let Jesus take you back to where it all went right. Maybe you don't, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're about to throw your cloak on and jump into water and swim. Hey, we're ready for that too. This stage is an altar. And if you need to swim up to here this morning, you do it. Don't worry about the other people in the boat. They'll take care of the fish. You just get up here. If this is the day that you need to, number one, meet with Jesus for the first time, what are you waiting for? He's the best game plan for your life every single day. Maybe this is a day you renew your relationship with Jesus. And, and you, you know you're in a low and he's the only one that can get you out. What are you waiting for? This is the day. I'm going to be right here. We're going to sing one more song, but I'm going, to, I'm going to be right here. And while we're standing and singing, you just come up. You want me to pray with you? I'll pray with you. If you want time alone, just take time alone. But would you make this a time where you let Jesus take you back to where it all went right? Let me pray for us. So Father, thank you for being the God that's not surprised when we go backwards in life. Thank you for being a God that, that knows right where we are because you love us. Thank you for being the God that wants to move us forward because you have huge plans for us. We don't want to miss out and we don't want to keep failing you. So Lord, wherever we are, whatever set us back, whatever low point we find ourselves in, would you meet us right there just like you did Peter at the place where he needed you to the most? And show us that you, not only are you who you say you are, but we really are who you say we are. So Lord God, would you do this work today? None of us up here on stage can do that. But you can. So Jesus, come and work. Holy Spirit, come and do your work. We trust you with this. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you with this. And Jesus, we pray all this for your glory and in your holy name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.